You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey everybody, this is Mary. And it's Blake. And you are getting treated to a episode of Keep Calm and Crown Now. Now this is a podcast that we do for our friends at jointhenerdclan.com. We cover the show, uh, the wonderful Netflix series, The Crown. And Blake and I do this as a thank you to our generous patrons who keep the lights on in this podcast studio, keep, keep everything rocking and rolling. So as you know, most of our podcast episodes are free worldwide. We love to be able to share all that content with you all, but this is just a little way to thank our friends there. So as a treat, we are actually going to release this episode covering episode one of season six to everyone. Yep. Uh, so you can get a little taste of it and see what it's like on our Keep Calm and Crown on podcast. And if it tickles your fancy, if it wets your whistle... Mm-hmm. And you want more of it, join us at jointhenerdclan.com for less than a cup of coffee. You can actually get access to this and many more benefits. If you're listening to this prior to the holiday season, you'll also get a holiday card from us, potentially even a holiday gift from us as another way to thank you. So if if you enjoy it, we hope that you join us there at jointhenerdclan.com for the rest of the episodes. And on that note, we hope you keep calm and crown on and enjoy the rest of this podcast. Let's do it. I wrote to him every week from boarding school. I ironed his shirts, I baked him cakes, even married the Prince of Wales. Anything to make him notice me, be proud of me. And to think our fathers are such good friends. Maybe they could have rubbed off on each other a little bit. Could have used a bit of your father's care and concern. Obsessive control. Your father could have used a bit of my father's. Traditional parenting. Complete and utter neglect. So when's the big day? The wedding? Hmm. Three weeks. Supposedly. Why supposedly? I don't know. Suddenly all seems a little crazy. Hmm. I think that's normal though, to have last minute nerves. I did. Right before my wedding, I knew it was going to be a disaster. You still went ahead. But my face was on the tea towel, so I didn't really have a choice. (laughs) But I do have a choice. I think you're going to be fine. You obviously love her, or your father's reaction wouldn't have hurt you so much. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Keep Calm and Crown On. It's a podcast dedicated to the Crown on Netflix, so grab your best cup of tea and let's get royal. Hello. 
Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and it is good to be back, Marvin. Good it to be sure back. It sure is. Blake, friends, has been sick. So as we delve into season six of The Crown on opening day, we had all these plans to like crank out the first couple of episodes, and Blake, Blake got cold, got a bad cold. Oh, it was misery. Yes. The, the doctor thinks it was actually the flu, but I was too stubborn to go to the doctor. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But I'm feeling pretty good now. My voice is already cracking. There you go. It's, it's, it's going to be a very positive episode. Today. There you go. Exactly. Well, friends, um, you know, we are just so excited to be back here with this final season of The Crown. Of course, it is broken up into two halves. So we're going to be talking about that in a moment. But before we do, we want to remind you that we are keeping busy podcasting and you can find out everything we're doing at maryandblake.com to find out all the things that we do is we are also continuing to do our Harry Potter podcast now that Blake is better. Yes. And... Um, um, as our shows for 2024 get lined up and head on out, you know that we're going to be busy in this mom and pop podcast shop. So to our friends at jointhenerdclan.com, thank you for making all of this possible. And on that note, my darling, yes, take a deep breath, right? <sighs> <laughs> you ready? I am. Let's I delve am. into it, shall okay, we? Okay, we all shall. Right, here we go. All right, Marvin. Okay, so a little mini recap for you. Of course, this is episode one of season six. Overall, however, this is episode 51. So if you have been watching every single episode of The Crown, you have now watched 51 episodes at least. Is it really 50 episodes? Yeah. This is 51. Wow. Holy yeah. smokes. So um, this episode, of course, if you've already binged all the four or the eight. Um, well, the this, four that are available right yes, now. Yes, but I'm just saying the people in the future. Oh, 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 gotcha. How is it? Are there flying hover cars? I don't even know. Back to the but- future. This starts off in Paris. We start off, sadly, with the tragic car crash. And then it says, you know, eight weeks prior... And we get to see Diana taking her sons to the yacht, hanging out with the Fayeds, uh, Afayeds. And then, of course, uh, Charles is planning his big party for Camilla mm-hmm. and all the drama that's going along with that. The papers, the press. And yeah, that's, that's really that. it. It's a party and then a party in a boat. All right. Uh, this title of the episode was Persona Non Grata, which is a reference to what Diana says and how she is the Persona Non Grata at uh, the at the uh, at the palace, if you will, and how both she and uh, what does Persona Non Grata mean? Do you just know? person to that is it's an not unwelcomed mentioned. person. Yeah. Uh, that she and Dodie. I'm sorry. She and um, Kelly Fisher. The 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 uh, what's it called? The the Dodie's. Fiance, if you will, Malibu. Yes, uh, are uh, are both persona non grata to, to their families. The director was Alex Gabasi. You should know that name because Alex has directed uh, two episodes uh, from last season of The Crown, um, Mumu, uh, one of the the top episodes of last season, and also the finale of last season, Decommissioned. And the writer, of course, was Peter Morgan. He has written every, essentially every episode of uh, The Crown, so go ahead and, and do that on your own time if you want to look up all of the the names and everything. All right, Marvin. How? What? Oh, by the way, you know what? I realized we 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 should be talking about here is the fact that Betty 
Betty is here with us. Betty, our corgi. So for those of you listening on the audio right version, there. there she is. Uh, on the video, we are giving giving props to our stuffed animal there corgi, Betty, who keeps us company, particularly when we podcast about the crown. Oh yeah, and she's the stand-in for whenever we're alone. If Mary yeah. is not with me, Betty stands in. And uh, Betty, what do you have to say to all the listeners today? Good job. I like that. You, they, 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 there's no need to go get that excited, Betty. Okay, no need. All right, uh, and if I'm gone, Betty stands in for me. So yes. that's that. All right, Marvin, how many corgis? How many corgis are you giving the premiere? I am giving the, the premiere of season six a four point six. I just feel like it was fitting. Like I was about to do a four point five, and I was like, mm-hmm. meh. You got to go for the six. Yes. It's season six, so let's do it. Um, I don't think it was the best episode I've ever seen. I frequently have a difficulty when I start a new season anyway. It takes a little while for me to get grip on the season. However, I am just overly excited that I'm back with these people, that I'm back with the show, that it is a grand finale of a season. Uh, Lots of great things. So aiming up, and I'm giving it a 4.6. How about yourself? I'm giving it a 4.3. I... Liked it better mm-hmm. uh, than most of the episodes of last season. To me, last season was kind of forgettable. Um, I really don't remember a whole ton. I remember the Moo Moo episode. 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 <laughs> and I remember the scene between Charles and Diana when they're, when they're at the kitchen table. Aside from that, I don't remember a whole ton. How about you? I probably do. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, just off the top of your head. Listen, man. Okay, I am three days from <laughs> two days from Turkey Day. I'm fresh from an Irish step dancing regional competition. Yes. I don't know what's going. On. I don't even. <laughs> You're lucky if we remember your I name know right now. Where I need to be in an hour, and that's about it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, uh, yeah. So I'm giving it a four three. I liked it better than a, a, a lot of last season, uh, and I think it did some things really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was something there that just. Oh, killed it for me. Oh, killed sorry it. About that killed it, killed it, killed it. All right. What do you yeah. got for your GBG? You're good, you're bad, and you're great. My good is Prince Charles' speech at the birthday party. I like love to hate it. I love to hate it. In what way? What do you mean? I don't like Charles. I don't like Charles this age. I just I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan <laughs> of this cheating man. Not a fan. I don't care that he's king right now. I'm just not a fan. Okay? So I feel very conflicted, and yet I know it's this love of his life. And if he could have just married the person who he loved in the very beginning, this wouldn't have happened. All of it would not have happened. So I just have a lot of feelings about all this. Yes. But I also just don't like Charles. He's just crabby. He's like, meh. You know, he's just not... Not from me. He would not be my friend in real life, most likely. However, King, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're somehow a member, join the nerdclan.com. Sorry. Maybe you'd be my... Maybe, maybe you'd think, be cool. Yeah, maybe. Um, Just send us a message. However, there are moments, and I think that this is the thing. I think that they're portraying Charles as a very angry, irritable... Um, which which I've also heard he is. I've heard that he has a temper. Oh, I bet that he so, does. So, you know. I mean, when you've been coddled all like that your entire yeah. life, it's kind of hard to not have that so kind of attitude. So when you do have these moments, whether it was like him learning Welsh or, you know, just frequently it's moments with Camilla, honestly, sure. that you get to see the softer side of him, the side that really cares, this this very human side of him. Um, it melts. Like, I think if this was, like, a normal person, I'd be like, yeah, that was a nice speech. But because we're talking about, like, Ice King. Yeah. 
And say, saying such a nice speech, it's like very impactful. Sure. And everything that he said in there, I thought it was really fitting. So obviously we do not, <laughs> none of that speech was real life. Right. But this is a fictitious show. We have to keep that in mind as we go. Right. You know, it was loosely based. So that was my good was the speech because it made me feel things. Okay. Um, my bad. Hold, hold, stop. Like, <laughs> hold the door. <laughs> okay. Tony was still engaged when he started to flirt around and hang out with Diana. I knew minimal things about Diana's life. Unlike Blake, my family was not obsessed with the royal family (laughs) during this time frame. Uh, I did have a crush on Prince William, hashtag who didn't. So I knew like that, right? (laughs) But I didn't know anything about Dodie. Honestly, I didn't know anything about him. I knew Princess Di was in a car crash in France with some guy who she was dating. That was it. I knew nothing about him. Nonetheless, okay, so we've been watching the show. We know that he is Malibu Barbie, you know, as his his girl. Yes. Hankering for a hunk of action when they're on a plane. Good for you. Nice, nice, nice. And he's just Ken. But I'm like... Okay, I, I'm questioning, like, so he and Diana, were they just friends when they were on the boat on that first ship? Did he double dip a stick that I don't know. I don't know what happened. Okay, I'm very uncomfortable. I would like to think he didn't double dip. I would. Okay, first off, I would like to think that while he was engaged, Diana was not being physical with him. Okay, but I don't know. It's just so vague. And I feel so uncomfortable that he was, like, engaged. And he was basically telling her, my dad doesn't think she's good enough. So he brought you here. Like, I just hate that he was still engaged. If he, yeah, if well, he wasn't still engaged, that would not be my bad. That's just my bad, is that I feel so, like, ick, ick, icked about it. And well, I hope I he f- gets unengaged soon. I do want to say that I, I feel for Dodie. Because they fought in this episode. I was like, great, get unengaged. And then they closed the door and had sex. Yes. So very uncomfortable right now. So it's all so very uncomfortable. But I, I That's my bad. I will say that I, I do feel, I, and I, we won't get into it now, but I do feel for him. In his actions. Well, we know you guys share daddy problems. Okay? (laughs) I'm just saying. Made me feel ick. And then my great is Diana as a mother in those little moments. Yes. Like the hitting the pillow, the tickling, and the way that she's connecting with teenage William. You know, um, granted, there are moments that are difficult, uh, you know, for for someone who doesn't necessarily have an adult partner to kind of lean on and be real with and and she has that struggle right where it's like she she kind of is honest with William about things because he is older and she is able to say I don't want to be in the country when your dad's throwing a birthday party for your girlfriend sure so questionable like should we be saying that to our kids and saying like you know help me out with this but on the flip side I see William as someone who's older who gets it mm-hmm. so you know she's not like she's saying it to little Harry um so I just appreciate these little mother moments that she has with them and how she goes and protects them. And I don't know. I just think she, we know that she was a very compassionate, caring mother mm-hmm. and fun. And I love that. I love that in this episode. Yes. All right. Okay. For, your, your GBG. All right. For me. Um, you wrote novels for your GBG. I did. I did. Because it's, uh, there's a lot of context, I suppose. Oh, okay. And, and if you are. I'll sit back with my matcha. <laughs> I think if you, if you're like. 38 or 37 and above I think if you're an elder millennial or above yes if you're an elder millennial or zennial I think you and and above you understand the cultural significance did your AIM screen name not have to include numbers that's how you know yeah good point mine didn't (laughs) exactly Um, so so I, I think you understand the cultural significance 
of Diana and what that was. And especially at this time, you know, that the show is depicting in the final eight, 10 weeks of her life, like it was an all time banana land world with Diana. And do you remember having, I know I'm going to do an aside, but since your mom was like, I don't want to say obsessed because it has such a bad kind of. No, no, she was just a fangirl. Let's put it that way. I mean, but not, okay? Just a fangirl, no. Your mom had like... All right, so she, she was had between like, fangirl and the bodyguard. She had like a shrine. <laughs> she had a shrine. Like a full China cabinet Listen, shrine. I'm wearing my Whitney Houston shirt for a reason. <laughs> okay, your mom... Did your mom go to England? Did your mom ever try to see Princess Di? Uh, no, she never went to England. Okay. Um, but you know what? Just just for the sake of posterity. And I will okay, okay so Blake had literally, you know how Diana just said, like, oh, my face is in the tea towels. Your mom, yes, I think, had, had those, those tea, tea towels. towels. You had the china. You had the cups. You had the commemorative, like, we had a, everything. Di- we had a Diana doll. Doll. Quite literally. <laughs> A two-foot doll of Diana in my house. <laughs> Didn't your mom get dresses because they looked like yes. what Diana had? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was buried in a dress that looked like one that Diana had? Uh, well, no, it, okay, it wasn't. Was it wasn't. One. It was her favorite dress. Oh, okay. Uh, it was all sequins. Okay. So my mother was fabulous. Your mother was very extra. Yes. Yes. Um, she was so extra. So the question that I'm asking you is that you know you were saying those of us of the elders. Yes. The elders. So in the you crowd. get you get the no, cultural. But I'm saying like, did you have all these magazines? Oh yeah. These were like in your bathroom reading? Yeah. Wow. We had all the rag mags, especially during the Diana time. That's what I'm wanting to see. Because like I didn't have that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had people. We had the globe. But even I, the poor people. Yeah. Who couldn't afford. You you pause. Yeah. We needed to save that money for people. <laughs> you know, for that, food. For people that we could wipe our tushes with or something. Or for food. Exactly. Yeah. We, we couldn't be doing. But we would see them when we walked by in yeah, the grocery sure. aisle. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm saying is that even people like me who didn't have whether it's it, also my parents weren't obsessed but yeah. like we also didn't participate yeah you like you weren't actively involved no in the banana land world of it all but if you were checking out at a grocery store you knew what was going on yeah and but but more importantly even if you weren't like super involved into it <laughs> if you didn't have a shrine if you didn't have a shrine <laughs> if it wasn't the bodyguard yes uh you were still at least aware of Little it. Mary was aware. Yes. You were aware of Diana. You were aware of what she was doing. You know, you were understanding that she was divorced. Yes. And when she died, you know, yes. like that was a thing. Like everybody knew about it. So I think everybody understands the cultural significance of Diana and what she meant at this time, you know, to that, you know, to that thing. To the global. To the global like to the global zeitgeist if you will all right and i say all of this because the show knows this right it's the show isn't for show isn't for our kids no it's not for like a 20 something It's not for the gen z's no it's not it's for the elder millennials really honestly it's really for the elder millennials and up and the show, I think, is very I think well... You, I think it's for if you are one of those characters' ages, if you are Prince William's age, if you are Diana's age, yeah, if you Harry's are the age. Queen's age. Exactly. If you are if you are Harry's age up... Yeah, this is for you. you lived through and this. And I, I honestly think that the show, while it has been about the Queen, I think the show has been 
building towards this very specifically, right? Because everybody, yes, is interested in the crown and everybody's interested in the queen and, and her life and all the things that that are happening to her because she's like this kind she's not a mysterious figure like her life has been very open in terms of like her like she speaks she comes out of her but she's a queen but she she's a queen, queen yeah. right but everybody knew diana and everybody wanted to like like they they would say about james bond every every guy wants to be him every girl wants to be with him i feel like a lot of the time a lot of that could be true about Diana. Do you like that we're still just in your good? I know, right? Anyway, so my whole point is this. The show knows that you've probably been waiting for this, this entire time. And it does something really smart and it starts off this episode right away with the crash. Is this your good? Yes. Okay. And I like that because it's telling you up front, this first half is going to be about this. And note, listeners... That from what I've understood, this crash as an opening has people either loving it or hating it. See, I love it. A lot of people are saying like, hey, way to be Captain Obvious. We do not need this. I'm with you, Blake. I enjoyed, well, as much as you could. I mean, I mean I we're watching a TV show. I appreciated the crash in the beginning because then it gave me a timeline understanding where it said yeah. eight weeks earlier. And I was like, holy smokes. Right. And, Just two months. And, two months. Yeah. Two months. That's what, she, that's, that's, that's what you got. And- like you have to, you have to recognize the Summer compressed happen so fast. The, the the compressed amount of time that we're engaging in here yeah. over these next four episodes, if you will. By doing that, it's like the Wicked Witch of the West when she turns over the hourglass. Yes, you know, it's like we know we're counting down. Yes, and and it sets you up for, uh, uh, like, it sets you up for the theme of what they're probably trying to get at. In this episode, and that theme, in my estimation, and as we all know, in 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 the nerd clan, it's a theme isn't like one word. A theme is a question, right? Um, and that question to me for this episode is, what effect does Diana have on the public at large? Right? It's not, it's not um, by coincidence that we open this episode with just some random Parisian dude walking his dog. And then we don't even see the accident. We just hear it. it, And the guy calls, right? He doesn't know who it is. He doesn't know anything, but he does that. And to me, that's what this season or half of season is going to be about. Uh, And that's why it's important that I say it's good that we all kind of recognize the the zeitgeist of Diana at this time. My bad. (laughs) The crown is many things. And as you nerd clan members know, the crown is not subtle uh, with itself. I mean, we're talking about the crown. I know. Um, and by subtle, I mean it really a lot of the time wants to hit you over the head with what it's trying to do, and it really wants to hammer home certain things. And it will do anything in order to do that. And in this particular instance, the thing that absolutely killed it for me is when Mumu is talking to Dodie and he's saying, yeah, you got the Malibu Bobby girl. Then what? You, but, you know, Diana's here for you. I served her up on a plate. You can. What did he say? He said, you can finally make me proud of you. Yep. And I didn't mind the server up on a plate thing, because that to me is in Mumu's 
character, mm-hmm. but the you can finally make me proud of you thing, that is so, there's absolutely no subtext. There is, it's just. Really? No. I Because it's like, so, it's so like in your face. I completely disagree. Oh, no. I feel no, like his bad. dad has bad, judged bad, bad, every bad. single move that he has made. I feel like that is the phrase that sealed his fate. Well, no, no. That without this. that phrase, we would not have the weight that we have right now. He would not have the impotence that, okay, I have to make this happen. That this would be what happens. I think, too, like we need to remember we've gone, you know, a quite a long time since season five. So if you haven't refreshed, you don't understand the importance to Mumu for him to have this English connection. Remember how hard he was trying to get together with the queen? Yeah. Like this is so important to him. It's not just you marrying someone who I think, in my opinion, is right. But this is like Mumu's end goal. We have to remember his whole thing with his servant. Teach me how to be like a fancy British man. Mm-hmm. No, this is how you make me proud of you. And I feel like all along... He He's just giving Dodie the, you, you kind of stink, kid. Oh, you want to make movies? Well, you kind of stink. Your girlfriend, she stinks. Like, yeah. he's always poo-pooed him. I thought you were going to say that this was a bad for you because you yourself have conflicted uh, issues, you know, with a with a father figure. And I feel like people who have had that kind of uh, figure in their lives, whether it be father or a coach or whomever, that always makes them feel lesser than when they finally say this. This is what'll do it for me. It feels like such a cheap shot ultimatum. And yeah, how can you not go for it? Well, let me rephrase so that way I, I make sure we're both on the same page. I'm wondering if you didn't like it because you yourself have trauma of someone above you making you feel like you were never. No, so of. I have all of the daddy trauma. I know. Uh and th- and that we know. We know. <laughs> that in and of itself is not the issue. In fact, I love the trauma aspect of it. And that's why when I said earlier, I feel for Dodie in all of this, I do. Because when your dad says, jump, you go how high? Yeah. Because he's in control of it all. And, and if you are interested in that kind of dynamic, read all of my reviews of succession that I have at jointhenerdclan.com. Um, and I get very personal about my life. And you could, I think, Mary, if you weren't married to me, you could look at something like Dodie says and be like, what? Like, get out of here, dude, and blow it off like, oh, the show is just being the show for the sake of it. However, I'm telling you, as someone with experience in this field, (laughs) and I'm telling you, the listener, because now I think Mary has a much better understanding of it. What Dodie feels and what he says to his fiance is absolutely true, and it absolutely happens. And I know because I've felt it. I've been in situations not where I'm have my fiance and I'm going to date I mean, another girl or whatever. But there have been issues actually with Mary and I because of my dad that were very problematic. Yes. And Mary could never understand why. And I and and I appreciate that. And and I also appreciate the fact that you as the the viewer may not appreciate it, but I'm just telling you it's that this real. is real. Yeah. It's real. For some people I agree, Blake. Had I not been with you, um and had either the listener not gone through it themselves or been very close with someone who has, yep. and if they lived a different life, like to me, 
I was the opposite. I don't go by anyone's approval, which mm-hmm. is also not necessarily healthy or great all the time right. because I do what I want and right. I go by my own approval. Um, but you you taught me uh, to see it through someone else's eyes. And it is hard for someone who's never gone through it, who hasn't seen it, to be like, how could Dodie, the successful man, yeah. do this? Right. But it's real, friends. It's real. It's so. I mean, you just the way that I always think about it is emotional abuse. You know, it's that cycle. Yeah. So if people have learned about domestic abuse and the cycle that they go through, where it's like they put you down and then they buy you a present, and they say they're sorry, and it's good for a little while, it's a honeymoon phase, and then it happens again. It's that. Yes. It's that, but emotionally. Right. And so my bad is not this aspect, Mary. My bad is. That there's no subtext to the line, you'll finally make me proud of you. Because someone who has that kind of power never says that. That, to me, is not something Moo the character, or the father, would ever say. See, I disagree because I feel like Dodie was just ready to move to Malibu, to break ties, to really have his own freedom. And I almost feel like this is Moo way of, like, last chance. Like, like I'm losing my grasp on my son. He is planning on marrying this woman that I don't approve of very soon. He is going to be moving away. He is burning, buying, you know, yeah. clothing and not clothing, but like furniture and stuff. And I, this is his last ditch effort. Yeah. And, and I can see what you're saying. But for me, as a, a person who loves television and writing, to me, there's a much more interesting way and a much more inventive way to get across the same exact phrasing because i also feel like it makes him less classy than the queen you know the queen wouldn't look at charles and be like this would finally make me proud of you but this is mumu and we need to show that yeah. he isn't as hmm. he, well he's not as um refined no i mean he's gaudy you know he's but this like, is also the guy that i mean well i mean yeah i think there's a great argument to be had here mary about the or at least a good a good debate about the application of Mumu's words and intentions, right? Because he is somebody that has kind of bulldozed his way into wealth and made deals, done things, said things, and has never backed down from using phrasing that would be considered classless, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> so I think you have a point there, Mary, especially as it relates to to being a mirror for the queen. However, I also think, and maybe it's just my experience coloring this relationship or the way that I see the relationship, but I just don't think someone with that kind of power would use that phrasing. And even if, even if I'm right, right? And even if we're just talking about it in terms of writing itself, just writing for television. To me, good writing requires subtext. And you should never just come out and say what you're trying to say. You know what I mean? Because then there's no, it doesn't feel real. Okay. It feels like it's being forced to make a message happen for the sake of making the message happen. Uh and I, I just, there's a much more creative way to make this messaging happen between two characters that already have a, a, an established relationship. But my great, 
and I have a tie, and we're still on my on the GBG. I we're know. a half hour into this bad boy. We know. Uh, my great is two things. Uh, one, I love how they're showing Charles go in to see the queen. He's got to wait, and he has this little bit. He has this little bit Are with you the guy. Are you new? Like I know the deal here. I know. Uh, I love that. Oh my god, I hate him. Oh, I thought yes. that was great. Uh, and then also he's talking to Elizabeth about his happiest memories and how he would come in here and she would give him attention and whatever. And then at the same time she turns around and says, yeah, is that all? Because I got these dogs here that need my attention. Now that is interesting. Ooh. That isn't in your face. That's all subtext. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't she doesn't necessarily come out and say yeah well I don't care about you and uh, so see you later she puts him down by saying oh the, uh, this one's sick he needs my attention Yeah, that is subtext that is what I'm talking about when I say there's mm -hmm. a more interesting way to get across the stuff with Mumu uh, but also at the same time uh, the, the, the bonding scene between Dodie and uh, uh, Diana, when they're at the piano, what the the scene that we played at the top of our episode uh, is perfect. It is perfect, and how they can finally relate to each other over their daddy issues. That to me is excellent, and how they mirror each other. Dodie's dad is one way. Diana's dad was the completely the opposite, and they're hoping for a connection between the two, saying yes, we can meet in the middle, and that's how we, you and I, can actually. I gotta tell you, together. watching stuff like this makes me so sad that I'm a parent because I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I know some <laughs> things I'm doing are really wrong. And then someday in the future, this could be my kid mm -hmm. complaining. Oh, this is how my mom messed me up. This is how my mom messed me up. Oh, gosh. And I will Sorry. say this too the way that that scene was shot, how he is going to get a drink. Yeah. And you just kind of see her head you peek out from head? the piano. Yes, so cute. What a beautiful shot. Fun like, fact, stunning. That was not originally written in the script. Really? But the yacht that they used for this had the piano bolted because when you have a piano on a yacht, it's yeah. bolted onto the ground. So there was they couldn't not have the piano in the room, like it was bolted into the yacht. Yes. So they were like, "Crap, what are we going to do with this giant piece of furniture?" <laughs> and then they said, "Did Diana know how to play the piano?" And they said, "Yeah, she did a little bit." So they were like, "Okay, then we're wow, going to make the piano in. in this oh, scene." Awesome. Because. We can't move this giant piano. Yes. Awesome. 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 <laughs> so cool. So cool. All right. Um, now that we're finally past the GBGs, Marvin, what else do you think suits your fancy as it relates to this episode? Everything. <laughs> like we said, the opening, you know, we acknowledge that some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. I like that it gives us that countdown that we know each episode now is going to be counting down whether it is... Um, here's a question for you. So, of course, Netflix has come out dropping four episodes at once. They dropped all four, and then we're going to wait right before Christmas, mm -hmm. and we're going to get the final four. Uh, this is an interesting choice by Netflix. Do we think that we are going to have Diana's passing, her crash, within this four? Will yes. it kind of be like two different... Okay, why do you think that? I actually think that's why they're separating it. Mm. Uh... <sighs> Because this has been such a cultural zeitgeist, and my estimation is everybody has been waiting for this for a while now. I mean, it's we're talking 
what, season four when she was introduced? Was it season four? Yes. Yes, it was season four. We're, we're talking four, five, six. Most of it has been centered around Diana. Like, let's be honest. I mean, to you, because you had a shrine in your house. No, but honestly, though, like. <laughs> no, I, I will say that it's a glaring thing. And because she's ostracized from the family, she has to have her own different plot line. Like, that's the big thing. It's you think about the crown and the family and Margaret and Charles and Elizabeth, like they're all communicating with one another. But now Diana has to have her own story. She has to have her own set. She has to have her own friends and everything. So mm-hmm. I think because of that, they've had to balance, you know, yes, she's one person, but it's it's felt like an un even balance because she's needed to have her own stuff her own space her own vibe yes um well so I, because of that she has more weight than say princess margaret now has and Char- you know even charles has and even yeah. the queen has right because it's different so i agree with you we are going to a certain point and she is different she has been the disruptor so i mean think of it yeah. think of it structurally right we had the first three seasons if you will of the queen and that covered about 40 years of her reign. We've had now essentially three seasons of Diana, and it's been 10 years, mm-hmm. right? So it is primarily- 15? Whatever, whatever, sure, yeah. whatever, right? It's been that short a time period in two seasons, mm-hmm. if you will, maybe two two and change. Like, that's a- that's a huge chunk well, of exactly. the television series. And we series. know that this is where the press comes in and right. just so much change during this time frame. So I agree with you. I think that we are going to end this half of the season um, with her death already having had happened. Uh, potentially even that happening earlier on in episode four, maybe even at the end of episode three. So we can, we could maybe have the how... Like I don't, yeah. I don't know where we end because, of course, when they started this season, the queen passed away in real life. Right, right. And they had to rewrite a few things. They decided they they didn't want to bring things into present tense, but I have heard that they had rewritten some things. Oh wow, okay. Because she passed. So here's here's my thought process on it. Because we've we've already discussed it, the zeitgeist of it. Uh, my thought is. The show knows how big it is, and they're they're gonna dedicate this first half of the season to the relationship with Dodie, the crash, and then the aftermath. Because the way that I see it is for the for the royal family, it's before Diana and then after Diana, mm. right? Uh, whether or not somebody else agrees, I don't well, know. Well, you didn't get to watch seasons one and two. Yeah, so. but but even then, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's before Diana and then after Diana. For the boy who grew up with a shine in his house. We yes. appreciate that for you, Blake. And the effect that she had on the royal family, right? And what that brought. Mm-hmm. So I see it as, okay, we have to acknowledge that. We're going to get this out of the way. And then we're going to tell the remaining story within the next four or five episodes yeah. or so. That's my thought process. So I, I just think that it was a really wise thing because we do have this countdown. We both are under the opinion that this eight-week time frame is going to happen in this first half of the season. And that it allows us some time to digest and kind of move on uh, and tackle the next bit. So uh, I love that Di shows up listening to Tub Thumping. I, oh, oh my. Why? I'm kind of out. Why? Chumba Wumba? 
Yeah, I'm way out on Chumbawamba. Of course you were Way Blake. out. I and had not only the CD, but like the of single course you CD. Did. Of course you of co- did. Yeah. And there she is Such rocking out, jerk. convertible, bringing Wills with her to go see the prime minister, to go play some some soccer. Stop it. Listening to Tumba Wumba's Tumba Wumba. Love it. I the think that the worst. music choice. No, I mean, this is the thing. This is this is her being hip, you know, listening oh, yeah. to the, the hip modern music. I loved it. I just thought it was so freaking cool. She's the cool mom in, in Mean Girls. And then Tony Blair with his wife. <laughs> And his Polar. wife's like, what are you going to do? Go put in your cowboy boots? Because yeah. here comes Di in her convertible, <laughs> listening to like probably the top song right then and there, rocking on up, you know, with her yeah. blonde hair waving. And I just loved how Tony Blair's wife busted on him. She said, oh, you're sweet looking for an alien, referring to Prince William. Right, yeah. Oh, you're sweet looking for an alien. And then she calls up her kids. The future king has come for a play date. So she busts on Tony Blair saying, what are you going to do? Go get your cowboy boots again. Calls William an alien yeah. and then tells the kids the future king wants a play date. Hey, at least she understands her role. Okay? We'll Love say it. that. Love she's it. she's very self aware. I'll <laughs> give her that. Absolutely. You know what I'm kind of out on? Don't say don't say Harry. I'm a, no, no. Okay, good. Because that little kid playing with the window shade and every single thing, that kid nailed it. No, that kid's great. Yes. It's perfectly Harry to yes. me. Yes. Uh by the way, when the Queen says Diana can't be half in and half out, oh, I was. can't cannot help but wonder if that's a veiled shot at Harry. It's not veiled. <laughs> All they needed was Emil Stanton to turn to the camera and say, Sussexes? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, ex Sussexes? Oh, I know. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's uh, kind of like that scene in, in the latest uh, Fuller House when they're like, oh, hey, where's Michelle? And they all turn to the camera. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I do not think that that was a veiled situation. Oh, can't be half in, can't be half out. No. Woof, boy. Yep. I heard that and I was like, oh, shots across <laughs> the bow on that one. Um, yeah, I'm kind of out on the the, the use of modern soundtrack. Um, of and, and normally I never am. No, but for some you reason, like the music in the late '90s. Well, you know what it is too. Let's be real. They, Did you like the music in the late '90s? Boy band emergence. Oh God, no. The girl like pop, no. like hardcore. No, I, I wanted nothing to do with it. Macarena. No, I was a grunge exactly. kid. Like I, uh, that's Nirvana, what I'm saying, Blake. Soundgarden. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Is you didn't like the music then? Anyway, they. But, and if they just had one scene with the tub thumping, drink some whiskey, drink, I would drink some vodka drink. I would judge it, but I wouldn't be as on it. But then you went ahead and included Smash Mouth at the same oh time. Oh my God, yes. I loved Smash uh, Mouth. Way too much. Way nope. too much. Shrek knew it was up. <laughs> Shrek. I mean, honestly, who on the Shrek music team was like, you know what we need to go along with this ridiculous fairy tale? Smash Mouth. Oh, man. That's funny. Okay, so the boy's adorable. Yes. Love, love, love. Love all the mommy moments. And then we get Camilla's birthday party. So you go from bright, vibrant, laughing, goofy, Camilla drinking tea, looking out a rainy oh, window yeah. to Charles, yeah. who is saying, okay, guys, how many photographers and journalists do we pretty much hire? <laughs> <laughs> to cover the entrance. Woof. <gasps> Woof. <laughs> <laughs> then the queen isn't coming. Oh, that's just the worst. That poor guy, the one that has to continue to be the bearer of the bad news for Prince Charles, mm-hmm. he needs a vacation. He, he needs a raise. He needs to go to Mallorca. <laughs> Mallorca. Right. 
<laughs> that right there. You're a wizard, Harry. Is a good Harry um, Potter reference. I love how they were able to let us know the timeline because, of course, during different seasons, it's hard sometimes to know where we are, even if they put physical dates on the screen. So all we've gotten is eight weeks prior yes. to crash. But then Charles says, we've been divorced for a year, separated for five. And I feel like that really helps solidify the timeline. We also know that this picks up where season five left off when Mumu says, hey, why don't you come to San Tropez with yeah. us? Yep. So we know that this just happened shortly thereafter. So I like that this is really keeping it into consideration that they have been, at least he's divorced. It's not like Dodie. <laughs> just double dipping all over the place okay charles is like we've been separated for five years yeah okay divorce for one time has passed so we as the viewers can really kind of sink our teeth into yeah and this is a really great way to use exposition right to your benefit he's saying it in a way that is uh i think congruent with his character yes and he's saying to somebody that would probably already know that information but it's like, come on, dude. We've been we've been married now yes. for like, or not married. Like, why are we doing this? Yes. Um, that is a great way to tell your viewer, you're you're right, Mary. The the timeline. Yes. Being um, the season premiere, let us know where we are. Let us be on solid right. ground. And and there's a and the reason why I say this because there's a there's like a, a you know a, a trope. It's called the as you know Bob trope, mm. where it's like. Oh, if, yeah, yeah. If you can't figure out a good way to get information across, it turns into, well, as you know. Yes. As you may remember. Well, I think it's important, too, because the queen in this episode, you know, oh, you've ruined two families, like all this stuff. So to the queen, this is still very relevant. Doesn't yes. care that you've been separated for five years. Doesn't care that you've been divorced for a full year. Yep. Even though to most people, at least nowadays, 2023, to most people, they'd be like, yeah, it's fine to move on at this point. Like, right. you're really, you're in the clear, like, it's all good. Um, so I think it's important because if we didn't have that date and the queen was such a stickler about this is still so wrong, we as the viewers, if we forgot the timeline, we might feel like, yeah, didn't he just leave her? Didn't they just have that sexy phone call? What's going on? Where right, are we? Right. So, and it's easy to get caught up in that and be yes. like, wait, when, when are so we? So I yeah. loved how they did that. Yes. Um, when, I forgot to mention, you know, when you were talking about Charles meeting up with his mother, you know, the are you new here situation? Oh, yeah. We have the mouse. The mouse Oh, I scuttle love by. that. And he sees the mouse and he's about to tell the new, the new guy. And he says, never mind. What's fun is that in season four, mm -hmm. there was an episode where a mouse ran across the ground and viewers went wild for this because it was actually accidental. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That just like made it through. There was not like meant to be a mouse running around bucking um, uh, the, the palace. Yeah. But they just kind of like kept it in and it is what it is. Uh, obviously, like it's an old building, so yeah, there have be mice. been mice in yeah. it. But I think that this was also a nod to the fact that like there's been this mouse sighted in this show before, and yeah. they're showing it again now. Um, but what do you take as the symbolism? Because of course, the premiere for last season was the boat. Okay, we had oh, the boat. Yeah. We couldn't stop with the boat. Oh, the boat! This. So we've about got that. like all this symbolism. I don't feel like we're leaning as heavily into it. But if you were to take some symbolism out of the mouse, what would it be for you? <sighs> You know, I will tell you what I think. Okay, what? I just think that things are still so old and um, 
things that are in disrepair, Charles doesn't need to have his mom fix anymore. He doesn't need to tell her mom's servant. He doesn't need to tell his mom that, you know what, you be in your little mouse infested house. It doesn't affect me. I don't live here anymore. So your opinions of Camilla, yes, it sucks that you're not coming, but like, I'm not, I'm not going to help you anymore. I'm going to help myself. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really great take, Mary. Um, I totally agree with you on that one. The way that I see it too is I think it's in line with what you're saying. It, it It's almost like not my chair, not my problem. Yeah. Uh, but also maybe it's his way, uh, Charles's way of seeing that everything that the queen does isn't necessarily correct. It's not perfect. It's yeah. not perfect. That, that there's an underlying infestation here. Mm. Something isn't right right what was the show that we've watched that there's been a mouse or a rat like all the time and we keep seeing it was it um the the game of thrones or rigs of power i feel like you and i have podcasted about a show and there's been like a mouse oh yeah it was house of the dragon yes yes, yes. okay yes yes, yes. house okay. of the dragon so i feel like when i saw this i was like oh it's back and then i was like no that was a different show yeah. but then i researched and sure enough there was this like cameo mouse that right <laughs> so i just think it was really cute so I, the, yeah that's the way that i look at it it's like there's this infestation of mm -hmm. something that's wrong there you know when you have a mouse problem in your house it's like Okay, how do I get rid of it? How do I stop this? How do like what does this mean? Am I dirty? Am I do I have dead things in this house? Like I think there's a lot there. Um another great use of this mouse or rat style symbolism is like in the departed at the end when you know the rat goes across the uh goes across the uh the uh the the fence, you know, in front of the in front of the state house in Massachusetts. All really great stuff. I just I think that scene was so great, mm -hmm. you know, and and it's and it's great to have both of like that scene almost on top of the scene of uh, well at least between Diana and Dodie when yes. she's playing the piano. Having those two scenes together, I think really say a lot about the people where they are this and where happens right going. before the you have the chance to make me proud of you mm. that's when that happens yes. so i cannot handle that mumu invites diana tells dodi hurry up get your butt to saint tropez yeah. doesn't even say who's there he just shows up not knowing it was going to be Diana. <laughs> right. Good point. And gets over there. And then my other thing that I'm shocked by is Mumu, at least in the show, didn't say, Diana, I'm not going to be here. Except when oh. Dodie comes, he's like, all right, Diana, my job's here done. This is my son you've met before. He's going to do whatever you want. Bye. So Mumu was the one that invited her. She's the, He's the one that she went out to dinner with and has got to know his wife. And they've sure. been hanging out for a little while. And then he pees out Cub Scouts sure. and leaves her with Dodie. And she's just like, all right, let's go swimming. Well, I, you know, part of me wonders <laughs> if she awkward. did have some sort of inclination or if it even mattered, right? Because when he invited her, it was like, come here, you'll be safe. Yes. And it's like, okay, you're out. All right, fine, no problem. I'm just saying like the host shouldn't be leaving. <laughs> Mumu was the host. It's fine if you invite Dodie, that's fine. Yeah. But I just think it's weird that he leaves. Uh, I have a question for you about Mumu and all of this. And is he the villain in all of this? No. Or is he just 
I don't think he's the villain. Is he trying to manipulate things for his own betterment? I think he's or, doing both. Okay, so I think, how is that not villainous? I mean, can anyone who seizes an opportunity, does that make everyone who seizes an opportunity a villain? No. There you go. But, I mean... I think I think he genuinely is being nice to Diana. Yes. I think he wants her to have fun. He sees that she has a need, that she needs some privacy and some fun in the sun. I also think he says, my son's single, ready mm-hmm. to mingle. My son likes blondes. She's cool. I hung out with her. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, if she stunk, if she was boring, if she was like, you know, a if bump on Camilla, a log. If she was Camilla. If she, was, if, if she had Camilla's dance moves, all right, <laughs> I don't know if he would have invited her to Saint Tropez. I'm just I saying. It. I doubt it. But, I mean, it's like, he, I think Mumu can have his cake and eat it too. Sure. And he has seen his son's fiance, who's just a bump on a log, mm-hmm. and he's thinking to himself, who do I want to spend every Thanksgiving with? Malibu Barbie? Yeah. Or Princess Diana? Something named Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> or Princess Diana. <laughs> who not only is it Princess Diana, who yeah. not only could this potentially get me credibility and become you know, the person that I've wanted to be all my life, but also she's really freaking cool. Like They yeah. laugh together. They have fun together. This isn't... From what you can see on screen, once again, this is fictional, um, but from what we are shown on screen, they have a good time. Okay? Sure. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. The ice and like, you know, when he, when she's throwing the ice yes! at him and the yes! whole thing. Th- those scenes are so really I'm important. I'm just saying, I think it works out for his benefit in both ways. And I don't I, think that makes him a villain. I actually kind of like what they're doing with Dodie here because you can see the conflict. I can feel the conflict within you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, but you can see it. It's not like, oh, well, here's something named Kelly Fisher, and then there's Diana, Princess of Wales. Clearly, I'm going to go out with her. It's there's a perfect encapsulation of how that, how and why Dodie at this point is somewhat of a sympathetic character because in the scene that we play at the top, it's you know, my dad found out and he went, and then and then Kelly found out and she went. I and loved I, that. And I constantly go back and forth between two people who are disappointed in me. Mm-hmm. Oh my freaking God. And I just had to, I'll play this. It makes me wanna shout. I loved it. I loved it because it's real. And that to me, even though it's kind of in your face, you under like there's a give and take there. There's there's something that is pulling and pushing. Dodie. Well, and he's not lying to Diana, which I think was just such a brilliant choice because, yes. you know, she's there just to have a good time. And he lays out for her, I'm engaged. Mm. My dad doesn't like my fiance. He invited me here with you. My dad wants something better for me. Mm-hmm. Here I am alone with you. Good point. And um, that's the scoop. Like he pretty much lays out for her, my dad's setting us up. Yes. And this is really hard for me. Yeah. And she's there being like, wow, this is this is really hard for you. Once again, she could be like, holy smokes, I've been set up. But she doesn't freak out. Mm-hmm. It's like she appreciates his honesty. And they're both saying like, we've been we've been pawns for other people. Mm-hmm. And this is really hard. And I think that this scene right here is just so humanizing for the two of them to be like, life is really freaking hard. And all yeah. these people move us around and all we want is for their approval and yet they treat us like garbage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the show has made itself a point to paint Charles in a 
better light than I think we kind of all remember him. I mean, not to me. Uh, but yeah, but I think it's trying <laughs> to do so. Okay. But I also, on the other hand, think that- They paint Camilla in a better light for me. I tell you that. Like, I, I'm good with Camilla compared to how I would have felt previous to the show. I'm not yes. great with Charles compared to when I knew outside the show. And my ultimate point, Mary, was- I think the show is kind of painting this relationship between Dodie and Diana in a much more positive light than what we remember. Oh my God, I'm just, I'm fishing, I'm not necessarily seeing it positive, I'm just seeing it as like tragic star-crossed lovers, like Romeo and Juliet. Well, yeah. Like, like you just know. Yeah. You know that this is not going to go well. Yeah, well, you do know because it showed you right up front. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. it's like, and then they're like, and neither of our dads like us and life is hard for me. Yeah. Wah, wah, life's hard for me too. Wah, wah. I, oh, we're on a boat. Right. <laughs> we're on a yacht in San Tropez. Like, get out of here. But, you know but what I mean? It's like context, It's like they're sad souls kind yes. of, and I love just the honesty. Granted, I don't know if he double dipped, but still, I love the honesty that he's like, <laughs> I'm engaged. My dad doesn't like her. My yeah. dad brought me here. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's just laid out on the table without it being completely, totally in your face. I also think, Mary, that there is uh, an argument here to be made that despite however much the 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 cacophony of people, if you mm. will, liked Diana, there, I think, is... A sub a subset of people that believe that she was a master manipulator, Ooh. and that she lived for the drama. Well, that's not nice. And I, I want to ask you about this because I also think it's very intentional that the that that she goes out on the boat to meet with the photographers in that leopard print bathing suit, like she's from Cranston, Rhode Island. Love it. Uh. Going to the packy to get a Siggy's and beer. Going to Siggy's and beer. <laughs> hey, where's the truly? <laughs> you got the pineapple kinds. My kids are playing video games. They won't notice I'm gone. Some street fighter stuff. <laughs> Hadouken. <laughs> um, um, I, let's I, be real. Diana doesn't pack non-sexy bathing suits, okay? Granted, it was a one-piece. It was a one-piece. But let's, but it let's, wasn't a V-cut. It wasn't a G-string. I know, but let's just let's just call it what it is here. You're out in a leopard print bathing suit. Yeah, well, suit. her blue and green one was wet. She doesn't want soggy <laughs> undercarriage, okay? She had the green and white blue and she, one. And, and let's also be, be give credit what credit's due here. She goes out, makes the deal, does the poses on the same day as Camilla's birthday. Listen, it so, is what it is. I'm not saying that she did it purposely. I'm just saying there's room for conversation. Love it. <laughs> and I love how he's like, oh, are you here because it's Camilla's birthday? And she's like, sorry, I can't hear you. <laughs> but then she says, I promise I'm going to, something big is coming up. Yes. So did Diana even know what the something big is or is she just blowing smoke? No, I, I think it was like she posed for those oh. pictures. Oh. You'll see what we're going to do. And she like she does the thing. Oh, and, okay. You know what I mean? By the way, I just have to call out Elizabeth Debicki again. Mm -hmm. If I could go back and, and give you another great, a triple, a triple great, if mm -hmm. you will. She blurs the line for me. She blurs reality. Oh, okay. Meaning that you see Diana through her. It's like Emma Corrin was, was great. She's a great actress. 
But Elizabeth Debicki as Diana is like she's she's worthy of your shrine. Oh my god. <laughs> I think I need a separate shrine. Can I? Okay. So I noticed something for Elizabeth Debicki. Yep. That I need to point out. Okay. What? Princess Di does not wear pantyhose anymore. What do you mean? You know how it's like a rule that like if you're in the royal family, you have to wear pantyhose? Oh, okay, yep, There's gotcha. no pantyhose no, going no, no, on no. here. No, no pantyhose. When she gets off the boat with her boys and she's going up to the pretty villa, oh, God, hey, you know the last thing I would want to do when I go on vacation is go up all those stairs? Yeah, last thing I want to do. She's shoeless. She's barefoot. She's barefoot Ooh. tons in this episode, which I love. It's yes. just like so real and grounding and natural. However, <laughs> Connecting then she to the suddenly has the shoes earth. back on. Yeah. She, oh, I wonder what sign she is. It's very Taurus. Um, but then then she has shoes back on. It's when she's in her red dress with the boys and they come up the stairs. And I'm like, where'd your shoes come from? Interesting. Why don't you just stay barefoot the whole time? All right. Uh, Mary, if you had a choice between Jumanji or uh, the other films, uh, E.T., who ordered all those flowers, by the way? Oh, that's a great question. I know. I'm going to say Dodie did. I want to think Moo Moo did. Well, yeah, I mean, as Dodie. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but that's the fun thing you that's get to wonder because we don't move, see dude. it. We don't see who signed it. Yeah. But even if it was signed with a Dodie, Moo Moo might have sent it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, th- that's that's yeah. a. Okay, so that's anyway, big, your question, that's big Jumanji. Brain thinking. I know. That's big brain That's thinking what I right do. There. I think about, are your shoes on or off, and who sent the flowers? Uh, so if we have a choice here between Jumanji or uh, E.T. or the, the never-ending story mm-hmm. as a movie night. Yes, for the fam. For the fam. Yeah. Which one are you going They've with? They obviously went the right choice, Jumanji. You cannot go wrong with Jumanji. I mean, those are three solid videos. Sure. But we got William in the mix. Okay, so never-ending story. He's going to feel like he's a little too old for. Yes. E.T. might be a little scary for well, uh, for Harry. Harry's old enough by this point. Oh, okay. I know. Harry's cusp age, in my opinion. Okay. okay. He still thinks like, yeah, skipping rocks is fun. <laughs> Like having a great old time, like playing with the window is fun. Like, you know, doing all these things and oh, mommy, like no. <laughs> ET, our kids still haven't watched ET fully. No, we have an eight no, and ten haven't. year old. They haven't. Okay, so let's see how old. Well, how we old haven't been they? pushing ET. That's the thing. We haven't been pushing. I mean, I OD'd on ET. I- <laughs> E.T. was the only VHS that I owned in, like, I think my sophomore year of college. Yeah, that was your hookup video. <laughs> hey, it was the only video I had. So whenever I asked anyone to hang out, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, oh it was E.T. So, no, I think I think that E.T. can be too scary. And I think some of Mumu's other kids are younger. Yeah, remember the little kid that Dodie has to jump off the thing with? Yeah. Would, E.T. would have been way too scary for that little kid. I'm going hard on E.T. in this one. I, I'm pushing for E.T. Good for you. I, I'm not doing Jumanji. You know, and maybe it might just, I love Jumanji. Yeah, you, I love Robin Williams. I don't even know who directed Jumanji. might have been Chris Columbus. I w- I'm here for it if it was. I love Jumanji. I'm not passing you... up. I'm not passing up Steven Spielberg. Well, I'm not doing it. Well, you know Wait, what? Who, who directed Jumanji? I gotta know I gotta, I gotta know tell now. you, Dodie was in the film industry and he was cool with the Jumanji choice. Now, if you had a choice between regular Jumanji or The Rock Jumanji, which one are you doing? With E.T. and Neverending Story still in oh, the mix? Oh, it's directed by Joe Johnston. Interesting. Joe Jonas? No. No. Um, what do you mean? Like, am I still on the boat with Wills and Harry? And the little kid that jumps off the diving board? Yeah, yeah, you're still on the boat. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, you got Rock Jumanji oh, or Robin Williams Jumanji. Robin Williams Jumanji because Rock Jumanji has swears in it that come out of nowhere. <laughs> and you're like, why? Why Rock movie? Why Rock Jumanji? Do you need to throw in one or two swears? I was a big fan of Rock Jumanji. Uh, me too, if they didn't drop swears for no reason. <laughs> why? I hate when movies do that. I hate when movies are obviously meant to be a family flick. Uh-huh. And they're like, we need to add one swear yeah. so that a teenager thinks it's cool. <laughs> really? Like, it was different in the 80s and 90s when yeah, we would it was use different. swears as, like, common vernacular. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like, it wasn't anything. It Especially wasn't in like, our area. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't like like this in Jumanji and a few other films. I feel like they put it in because they're like, you know, it'll really be awesome. Yeah, it'll well, be really awesome. We drop an S bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, sh- yeah. Well, you can't swear on this podcast. I just you know. went. Sh- this is fancy. Okay, where's my tea? Um, yeah. So Be- Betty won't get offended. Like I think they actually swear in. They swear in ET. I, yeah, think, really? I think when the older brother sees E.T., he swears. Oh. But once again, because it was in that nebulous 80s time. Yeah, it was fine. It was, like, it was okay back then. People dropped stuff all the time. You don't yeah. even know where your kid was, yeah. okay? It was fine. If they're swearing, it's they're alive. Sure. Okay, move on. They're not <laughs> they're on a milk carton. Swearing, they're alive. Yeah. They're not on a milk carton. They're fine. Okay, but nowadays, it's like, <gasps> why? No, okay, but it's gonna for clutch effect. Because at least like E.T.'s big brother, that makes sense for him to say. Okay, he's sure. like a punky teenager. Of course yeah. he would say okay, that. I got you. But yep. like, really, Rock Jumanji? Yep. Okay. How, do you, how are you feeling about the portrayal of William so far? For Fantastic. Me, yeah, for me, it feels like... It feels like the representation of how we were all kind of feeling at that time. We're just like... Wait, Diana's with Dodie? Like, okay, Blake. What? Once again, I didn't have. But, yeah, but I'm saying we as the five royal we. magazines in my bathroom with a full page spreads about I, all this. My my memory I of the no time. Idea. My I'm, memory of the time was this, this is a little suspect. Okay, to me, William was acting age appropriate on any family vacation. Well, but they have that shot of him. Like looking at Diana as she's like as they're leaving the boat and like it's like him like giving the kind of like this disapproved look. Yeah. I don't know. I just I'm, I'm yeah. It, it feels like, like an audience surrogate almost. People hate on everything at that age. <laughs> look at what she's wearing. True. She tried to make a joke. Oh my god, is she flirting? You know what I hated? She embarrasses me. Tub thumping. That's what I hated. I get knocked down. <laughs> But I get up again. Like, how awesome is that song? She's listening to that as she's driving to the prime minister's house to ask for her official title. I get knocked down, but you know what? I get up again. Because you ain't ever going to keep me down. (laughs) Pissing the night away. Pissing the night away. Pissing the night away. You want some whiskey drink? You want some lager drink? You got some cider drink? You got some vodka drink? We sing some songs that remind us of the good times. And we uh. sing some songs that remind us of the best times. Oh, don't cry for me. Next door neighbor. Okay, Mary. We, we, we know. that You know you know the lyrics. Don't cry for me. Next door neighbor. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. The worst. No, it's hysterical because it's like, what does this even mean? Why am I so young talking about all these alcoholic drinks? And why would your next door neighbor be crying? Because you were passed out and they had to call 911? Don't mix. You, Don't mix your drinks. Are you getting your stomach pumped? That's the question. Yes, That's why they to, call it tub thumping. Listen, if you drink that much, you you're, you're going to thump some tubs. <laughs> 
Okay. Get a okay. puke. On that note, let's go. All right, yeah, let's wrap gotta, it up. Uh, uh, as for wrapping it up, Mary, where do you stand uh, for this as the season premiere? Love it. I'm here for it. it. It it's normal for me. Yeah, I'm not like blown away, but this is what the crown does. Yeah, I I think what I really loved about this episode is that it was very contained in a very small. Right. It was yes. it was like very like we're going to we're going to it's not this big epic it was like thing that scenes. the crown can yeah. do. Right. And that it should do at certain times. But it was small and very to the point, And I liked that. Me too. All right. Uh, anything else? That's it. All right. Let's uh, let's what do you say? We close this bad boy out, shall we? We shall. They didn't play that long intro on the radio. Well, sorry. I don't have the radio version. Just pot it up. <laughs> Us poor people. You poor's. Couldn't afford the album. <laughs> Hurry up. Push record. Oh, you missed it. You missed the first verse. Gotta wait another hour. Request it again. Call him again. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so incredibly much for tuning in to this podcast episode as we covered season six, episode one of The Crown. Blake and I are going to keep on going strong at jointhenerdclan.com. So thank you so much to those generous patrons who've made this all possible. We hope that you enjoy the show as much as we do, and we'll have a next episode coming out for you shortly. Yes, so if you are listening to this on the podcast app, or you're on YouTube or whatever, and you're watching this, just know that the rest of the episodes are going to be at jointhenerdclan, jointhenerdclan.com, and that is it. So that, that'll that be that, okay? Yes. So we're, we're, we're here having a good time talking about tub thumping and vodka drinks. Whiskey drinks, longer Whiskey drinks. drinks. <laughs> Singing some songs that remind us of the good time. But uh, you can only do that in the future at jointhenerdclan.com. That's right. On that note, my name is Mary. My name is Blake. Keep calm and crown on. <laughs> <laughs>